me your Bibles tonight to John chapter 1, if you would. John chapter 1. And uh, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God. It's always an honor and a privilege to minister the Word of God to God's precious people. And uh, CIA is dismissed. And you do know that you are one of God's chosen ones. That you are precious in His sight. And that you're highly valued and that you're highly favored of Him. Amen? Amen. As heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. So, Father, tonight we approach this word tonight humbly. We approach it reverently. We thank you, Father, for the life of God that you've placed on each and every one of us on the inside. Lord, I pray that the eyes of our hearts tonight would be flooded with light. That our hearts would be strengthened. And, Lord, that... The Spirit of the Lord would show us things and reveal things to us, perhaps that we've read many, many times before. Lord, we thank you for enlarging our vision for the life of God that lives on the inside of us. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Notice with me in John chapter 1, and we notice in verse 4, it says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now the word light there means, it means development. And the Greek word, if you will, for life is zoe. And so this zoe kind of life can cause spiritual development in a man or a woman that cannot be achieved any other way than other than cooperating with this life on the inside of you. It's a good thing to know that you've got the life of God. You know, we used to sing a song, I've got the life of God in me. I've got his life. I've got his nature. I've got his ability. I've got the life of God in me. Amen. So in him was life and the life was the light of men. The good news is this, is you and I have access to this supernatural realm because of God's life working in you. I believe this, that when we get an understanding and a revelation of the God kind of life, it will enable us to live above this natural realm. And it will cause us to live in the supernatural realm where God would have us all to live. Amen? Now let's track this through tonight. Look at John chapter 5. And notice with me in verse 26. It says, For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given the Son to have life in himself. So we see that the life of God is in Jesus, that the Father imparted this very life into him, who in turn, when we get born again, imparts his very nature and his very life inside of us. Amen. Now, don't think this is too simple for you tonight. Don't just think this is just, you know, something that we can just kind of say to. This subject, this life, this Zoe is much bigger than any of us in this auditorium have ever seen. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more to the life of God than we've seen before. Now let's go over to John chapter 10. 
And notice with me in verse 10, John 10, 10, a very familiar verse of scripture. It says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it. How? That you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, you've seen this throughout the time that you've been a Christian. We've seen it throughout the years that we've been a Christians and, and in the ministry. We have seen the life of God produce awesome changes in people's lives. I've seen the life of God go into a person's spirit and instantly deliver them from some things that they'd been bound to for years. I'm telling you, when God invades your spirit with his life, it will impact your speech. It will impact your conduct. It will impact your habits. Because you have been connected to the life of God. And when you're connected to him, it brings awesome change. And then, of course, you couple that with the renewing of your mind. In Romans 12, of course, you know that verse, but it says... Be not conformed to this world, verse 2, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Amen. And so the more then that you meditate on this life of God in you, who you are and what you have in Christ, the more real it gets to you and the more developed you can get in the life of God. You see, I believe this, that there is a light that emanates from the face of a person who has the life of God on the inside of them. Amen. 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 And so then, this life can be manifest in so many areas of our lives. Let's take a look at a couple of them. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll notice in verses 6 through 11. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And we see here in verses 6 through 11... It says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Aren't you excited about the treasure in you? The life of God in you? He says this, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then he goes on to describe some of the things that we go through as human beings just by virtue of living in a fallen world. Aren't you glad, even though you live in a fallen world, you've been raised up, hallelujah, and made to sit together with him in heavenly places? That changes your whole viewpoint. Yes, it's a fallen world, but we're raised. Remember last Sunday we said we be the head and not the tail. We be above and not beneath. Amen? So he goes on to, to list here some of the things that we might face in life. But we never should face these things in life with the sense of, oh boy, here we go. We're going to go down the tubes now for sure. Or, oh boy, here it goes again. No, we should know and understand that the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy, and we are not to be ignorant of his devices. Amen? 
So then, to be forewarned, amen, is to be what? Forearmed. I'm glad you said that because I forgot it. Man, you're a quick bunch. So he said here in verse 8, he said, we're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. I remember Creflo Dollar years ago said it like this. He says, when trouble comes, you need to trouble the troublemaker. You can overcome the troublemaker with world overcoming faith that's on the inside of you. So he says, now listen, even though distress comes, and if you look at the definition of the word distressed, it's not a very pretty word. It means to be anxious. It it, it means to be um, uptight and upset. So I believe what we should say it this way, even though we have the opportunity to be distressed, we are not troubled. We are not troubled. Now, you are in control of whether you're going to allow yourself to be troubled or not. You know, Brenda did a great job on this wonderful teaching on peace. And one of the scriptures says, let not your heart be troubled. And of course, we are the understood subject of that sentence. So distress and trouble comes, but thank God we're overcoming it every time. Amen? And then it says, we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Now what about persecution as a Christian? Well, the scripture says, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer some persecution. Right? But so what? You're living for Him. He's on the inside of you. The Zoe life of God in you overcomes the persecution. Because He says right here, even though we're persecuted, thank God we're not forsaken. Thank God we're not forsaken. Whether we feel like He's there or not, it had nothing to do with it. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Whether we feel the greater one or not, we know he's living on the inside of us. And he's in there to put us over. And so if persecution comes, don't tuck your tail. Don't get all bummed out. Don't get the woe is me's. But just rejoice. Hallelujah. In so much that he'll never leave you nor forsake me. Now, let's say it real strong. I want to get you activated a little bit tonight with your faith. Say it with me. He will never leave me, nor will he forsake me. In the midst of distress, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trouble, he's not only for me, he's not only with me, but he's in me. You know what he's in you for? He's in you to put you over. Hallelujah. Now let's just keep tracking this right along. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. One person said it like this. I may have gotten knocked down but I'm never knocked out. Anybody ever gotten knocked down before? It's not really that great of a feeling to get knocked down in the natural realm. I've been knocked down in some fights before. But I got back up, went back down again, but I got up again. And that's the way you have to be in life. Even though you get knocked down, just get back up. Just get back up. 
And don't let the devil see you sweat. Just look him right in the eye and tell him, you ain't nothing, buddy. My master whipped you 2,000 years ago. And I've been given a name which is above every name. Amen? Oh, I want to shout about that. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, notice in verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now notice that the life, that same word there, that the life also of Jesus might show up. That the life of Jesus might manifest in your mortal body. The enemy hits you with some symptoms. Rely on the life of God on the inside of you. Amen? Something been running in your family? Run it off for the life of God. Amen? Now say it real strong with me. The life of God is manifesting in my body. For my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost raised Jesus from the dead. And the Holy Ghost quickens my body. The Holy Ghost manifests himself in my body. Every cell of my body, every joint and limb, every organ and every tissue is saturated with resurrection power, is saturated with the life of God. My immune system is growing stronger and stronger every day. You believe it? Hallelujah. Every cell in your blood, every cell in your body is being saturated with the anointing. Amen. And you know what the anointing does, don't you? Destroys yokes and removes burdens. Stick with me tonight, please. Amen. That's good. And so the life of God in you will also allow a man or a woman to live many years. I mean many years. God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. God's not done with me yet. I believe that the way they say preveste kamasto kolombre disteva la daya. I believe that the will and the plan of God is for man or woman to live as long as they desire to and go on home and when they're satisfied. Amen. If you're not satisfied, just keep living. And I'll tell you this: you'll never be satisfied until you fulfill and finish all that God's called you to finish. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! Oh, there's a lot to do, guys. There's a lot to do in this final few laps that we have here on earth. There's a lot to do. And God can do more for you in one year. God can do more for you in one day. And just cause your heart to be happy. And your soul to be... Come on, somebody. Your soul to be satisfied. Hallelujah. So then when, it's, when it is time for you to go, you'll go to bed. 
smile, bless your kids, bless your grandchildren, and shut your eyes and go on to be with the Lord, or go by airway of rapture. Amen. What do you say? Live till you're satisfied. But we'll not be able to do that without putting this life of God to work. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit tonight is how then, we know the life of God is in us, but how do we get this life then working in us? Of course, we've been demonstrating it already by faith-filled words, by believing and by speaking. But now let's look over at uh, Romans 6, verse 23. Romans 6, verse 23. Thank God. Say it with me. I am a partaker, of the, divine nature. of the divine nature. You know, in the context of that over there in Peter, it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. When you partake of this divine nature, you will escape some things. Or a better way to say it maybe would be, is you won't have to participate in some of the things yeah. that others yeah. do. But in Romans 6, verse 23... Very familiar verse of scripture. Ready, read, please. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is So the gift of God. We could say that eternal life is a gift, right? You know, for by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, for it is the what? It's the gift of God. So eternal life is a free gift that all we have to do is receive. Now, let's look over at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, and let's remind ourselves of something that the Apostle Paul said to a son in the faith by the name of Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 6, he's telling Timothy to stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, I believe specifically here that the context is talking about the charisma or charisma or stir up the uh, endowment of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to include in this stirring up the gift of God, stirring up this eternal life on the inside of you, stirring up this zoe. stirring up the spirit of God, these glorious deposits of grace that have been given to us as a result of eternal life. Is that fair enough? Now the word stir there, it means to activate. To activate. Or to make active. To cause to function or to act. uh, By stirring, by inciting or instigating or prompting. Another way that you could say stir up is rekindle. Rekindle your strength. Rekindle your zeal. Now, how many of you know that you can be stirred up in your heart? But did you also know that you can be pretty dull? I've been both. I'll be honest with you. I've been lethargic. I've been dull. But on the other hand, I've been stirred up. Stirred up is better. You like the, you know, it's like the person said, I've been poor and I've been rich. Rich is better. So, in your spirit, the scripture says that we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. But this spirit man on the inside of us 
He needs fuel. This spirit man on the inside of us needs to be stirred up, if you will. Amen? Now, your spirit can, can be lethargic. It can be weak. Now, here's some signs, if you will, of spiritual weakness. You know, when a person is weak on the inside, one of the first things that goes is their love walk. A lack of compassion or a lack of patience with others. What, what, did, what would the definition... Now, we're going to get off this in a moment. We're heading somewhere. Just, just relax. Don't go down on me. But what is lethargy? Lethargy is the, the, the quality or state of being drowsy and dull, listless and unenergetic, indifferent, lazy, apathetic, or sluggish. To the point of inactivity. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11. When a person is lethargic, there's a, a lack of interest or concern for the lost. There, there's a lack of interest or concern for people that are sick. There's a lack of interest or concern for people that are down. When all the time we have the ability to lift people up. Amen? But to have people saved on a continual basis in a local church like this, to have people healed on a continual basis, and to have a consistent, sustained move of God, it requires a congregation of stirred-up men and stirred-up women. Would you agree with me on that? It is a requirement. I mean, from the pastor to the pew. To the foyer, to the classroom, I believe I'm looking at a group of people that are stirred up. You wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you weren't interested in the things of God. Amen? But now look at Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing then that you are dull of hearing. Okay? So... It becomes very difficult as a senior pastor to minister to a congregation full of dullards. Now, most of the time, I can be so charged up in my spirit as a result of prayer that it overcomes that. But I just wonder what would happen if this church got on fire. I just wonder what kind of possibilities, what kind of glorious things that we would see if people would press to hear the Word of God. If they would just put their flesh under and lift their voices to God and pray and praise. So I, I have been there where I've been dull of hearing, and I've been in meetings where I've fallen asleep, and I've rebuked myself for it. And, uh, but here's one thing that I notice, that a preacher, and it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Pastor Nancy, Pastor Brenda, Brother George, Sister Terry, Keith Moore, Kenneth Copeland, 
Kenneth E. Hagen, Pastor Hagen, won't call him Junior. But it doesn't matter who it is. If a congregation is listless and dull of hearing, the utterance will not be there for them. It just won't be there. It'll, it'll, it'll be there to a certain degree. But God is limited very often by people in the congregation. But that's not the case with you. But what I want you to do, if you would please, on Sunday morning before you come to church, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost for this preacher. I need all the prayer I can get. Pray in the Holy Ghost for Pastor Tom. You don't know the trouble Pastor Tom sees sometimes before he come on, before he gets out on that platform. You don't know all the things that can go wrong with sound and lights and people not showing up and this and that and the other. It gets kind of crazy. You don't know the trouble that some of our team leaders have seen. Having to scurry around for people to be on time, to show up, to keep their word. So I'm just asking you, would you please pray? Would you please pray? I'm not giving you a dismal report of doom, but I just believe this, that this church can go up several degrees of glory. I believe that it's the will of God and it's the plan of God for us to go, come on, from glory to glory, hallelujah, from strength to strength. And so I, I need people like you with me. I need your prayers. The church needs your prayers. There's a lot at stake, guys. I mean, you just don't know some of the things that people have gone through. And you, God, listen, God is connecting people, literally pulling them in from off of the highway to come in here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just looking at the website and, you know, it just seemed right to come. They came. But we want them to come and to have an encounter. Come on. We want them to do, do we want them to have an encounter? I mean, if they're not saved, do we want them to be saved? If they're not filled with the Spirit, do we want them to be filled with the Spirit? We absolutely do. And so what do you say? There's about 60 or 70 of us here tonight. What do you say we make a commitment? We're going to stay stirred up this year. Glory to God. We're going to stir up the gift on the inside of us individually. We're going to stir up the gift corporately as a church. We're going to see days of heaven here on earth. And you know what the wonderful thing is this? Is when a congregation is stirred up, then there's nothing that needs to be worked up. I'm going to say that again. That came right out of here. When a congregation is stirred up, there's nothing then that needs to be worked up. Don't need entertainment. Don't need a humorous pastor. You know, you can tell a joke or two and everything. That's fine and all good. But how many of you are just interested in authenticity? Come on, guys. Authenticity in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Now, are you ready to move on just a step further? Let's move on just a step further. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 
1 Samuel chapter 30. And so, in life, there's disappointments that come our way. Things don't always go our way. Things don't always go the way we'd like for them to go, do they? No. Thank God they go our way more than they don't. But disappointment can come. And then, of course, discouragement can come. So let's look at a guy tonight that was really tempted to lose heart. Have you ever been tempted to lose heart before? Well, this guy's name is David. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, and notice this with me. He says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captive that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away, and they went on their way. That's not a good thing when your wife and children are gone after you're coming home from a war. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. That's a bad place to be in. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam and Jezreelitis, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David, and here's this word, and David was greatly distressed. Thank you, Roy. And David was greatly distressed. Just imagine what he felt. The despondency and, you know, the anxiety, all the, the things, you know, like the his own men who had followed him faithfully for years looking around for stones yeah. I mean they spake of stoning him mm-hmm. and the Bible says that he was he was greatly mm-hmm. he was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons daughters but David but David aren't you glad there's a but David in the Bible But David, what did he do? But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let's talk just for a few more moments about losing heart. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs in 13 and verse 12, it says, hope that is deferred, it makes the heart sick. Okay? I imagine when David got home and he was greatly distressed, for a moment he was feeling very hopeless and very despondent. Right? I love the Good News translation. It says it like this. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed, but a wish comes true fills you with joy. God's Word translation says it this way. Delayed hope makes one sick at heart. And the message says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. But oh, thank God, a sudden breakthrough can turn life around. So here's what we want to work with a little bit tonight. When a person is down on the inside, it will show up on the outside. How many of you know he needed a breakthrough? (laughs) But he had to get his breakthrough first down here. Mm -hmm. He had to get it in his heart. He needed this breakthrough 
on the inside of his heart before this breakthrough could occur outside and it could manifest in his life. So what did he do? We've already read it. Here's what David did. And here's what you can do. And here's what I do regularly. David encouraged himself where? He didn't encourage himself in the stock market. He encouraged himself in the Lord. The Amplified says, but David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I think it's very interesting that David did this himself. He didn't do it apart from the help of the Lord, but it wasn't just going to be happening in his life until he turned to God and started strengthening himself and encouraging himself in the Lord his God. Hallelujah. So to encourage yourself in the Lord means to make strong, to restore to strength, to sustain, to encourage, to make strong, to make bold, to make firm. How many of you know that David knew that at this time he could not be wishy-washy? David was a leader. And David needed to step up as a leader must step up. Amen? And not fall apart even though he felt like things were falling apart. Even he felt like he could break down. David caught himself. And here's what David did. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Somebody says, yeah, but pastor, I'm not a leader. You're wrong. Every one of you in this room are leaders. You may be leading a child. You may be leading a family. You may be leading a team. But all of you are leaders. And you know what? People are watching your life. And people are counting on you to be strong. People are counting on me to be strong. They're counting on you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on. So David spent some time strengthening himself in the Lord. Now here's where it gets really good. I want you to look at verse 7 in the message translation. I want you to see this because how did he do this? How did David do this? He strengthened himself in the Lord. The message says this. And I'll wait just a moment. Actually, verse 6 and verse 7. Suddenly David was even in worse trouble. There was talk. But here we, we see it. David strengthened himself with trust in his God. Now, everyone say that with me. David and I can strengthen myself with trust in my God. I want you to keep that there because I want you to look at that word trust. That word trust is also the word for faith. Here's what David did. David got strong and strengthened himself with faith and confidence in Jehovah. He strengthened himself in the God who brought him so very far already. He strengthened himself in courage 
and in confidence that the God that came through from him for him so many times before would certainly come through for him again. That's what trust is. That's what confidence is. You know what? I've seen this before, and I've seen God take me through it every time. Say it with me. I have world overcoming faith residing on the inside of me. I put my trust in you. You know, David didn't call for the horses and the chariots, did he? He called on the Lord. You see, some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we're going to remember the name of the Lord our God. He put his faith and his confidence in God. And so he was there, we could say it in the context of tonight's message, he was there stirring himself up. And then he also must have remembered God's love. He must have remembered God's promises. He must have remembered God's past deliverances. He's the one who said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me of all iniquity. Thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed my life from destruction. You've crowned me with loving kindness. You've satisfied my mouth with good things. And glory to God, I thank you for renewing my youth just like the eagles. Amen? Amen? And so I believe firmly that one of the ways that he strengthened himself in the Lord was through his faith and by just remembering the goodness of God. Amen? David stirred himself up. Did you know that you can do the same thing? Let's look at it another way. Look at Psalm 42, verse 5. Psalm 42, verse 5. Psalm 42, verse 5. And I'm going to look at it the Amplified Version. Hallelujah. Let's look at Psalms 42, verse 5. You know, sometimes you just got to have a talk with your soul. You know, soul, we're just not going to be bummed out today. We're just not going there. We've been there already, and it's not a very nice place to visit. Last time we visited there, we got all bummed out. So if you're quick and bright and sharp and good looking and a major blessing and very rich and you got the mind of Christ, you know enough not to go there. You know enough not to rehearse that. What good is rehearsing all that, almost said a bad word, crud do? (laughs) What good? What good does it do to rehearse all that junk? Glory. In his temple does everyone speak of his glory. Yeah. Glory. glory. Psalm 42, verse 5. And so you'll have to train yourself not to go there. Yeah. We're not done with that yet. Uh-uh. No. Okay. You'll, have to, you'll have to discipline yourself just flat. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're not going there. Yeah. 
And you will discover, oftentimes in these situations, you will have people around you that will try to get you there or bring you there. But you have to set a boundary. You have to give no place to it. Because the devil is the author of rehearsing. Don't you remember you did this and you said that and you did this, you ugly thing? He's a historian. We overcome his historical viewpoints by his story, the master's story. So you have to then be very protective about who you allow into your inner circle or who you allow to speak into your life. Right? Okay? Um, And so you'll want to make sure then that you do what Proverbs 4 says, protect your spirit. Protect your spirit. With all diligence, diligently protect these eyes. Diligently protect what you hear, what you listen to, and who you listen to. Diligently protect the gateways of your five physical senses. Amen. And in protecting your spirit and maintaining a strong spirit and maintaining a stirred spirit and an encouraged spirit, come on, then you will be in a position then for the issues of life to flow through you freely. Proverbs 4.23, right? Protect your spirit. For out of your, keep thy spirit with all diligence, for out of your spirit flows the issues of life. What are the issues of life? Wisdom's on the inside of us. Amen? I don't want anything stopping up the wisdom of God. I don't want the cares of this life stopping up the wisdom of God. I'm looking for wisdom all the time. I'm saying, Lord, I don't know how to do that, but you do. I'm looking to you. I'm asking you for wisdom. And you know what that does? That gives him permission to speak to your heart. When you acknowledge him, it gives him permission to direct your steps. Have you found out that to be true? If I don't acknowledge him and I just go my own way, the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. Hallelujah. What are these issues of life? What are these issues of life? Wisdom's a big one. I'll tell you another big issue of life is that will flow out of you is the love of God. But if you're going there and you're rehearsing hurts of the past, and if you're talking about what they did to you 25 years ago, that love that's on the inside of you is being stopped up. So protect your spirit. Diligently. Whatever it is now, guys. Whatever that you've been looking at that doesn't produce peace in your life. It might be a medical journal. It might be crunching numbers. I'll be honest with you. In years past, not now, 
But I used to crunch numbers and I could never get them to crunch right. Have you ever been able to get the numbers to crunch right? But if you just won't go there and you'll stay in faith and you'll stay in wisdom and stay in trust... Out of your heart's going to flow faith. Out of your heart's going to flow wisdom. Out of your heart's going to flow everything that should flow. And in your life will be, in your pathway will be life and no death. Amen. Say it with me. In my pathway, in my pathway. is the life of God. <laughs> Woo, glory. In my pathway, there is life. And there is no death. So cut off those things that have hindered you in yesterday and in yesteryear. Cut them off and lay them aside and come to the table and dwell in his presence and there abide. Live in him and he'll live in you. Live in vital union with the master and he will save you and deliver you from every disaster. He will always cause you to triumph. The end of your day shall be better than the beginning. And you shall know the life of God. And you shall walk in the light of life. And life shall get sweeter day by day. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and thank Him for it. Woo, glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So Psalm 42 verse 5. David had a conversation with his soul. He said, why are you cast down, O my inner self, or O my soul? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? You need to ask yourselves that question. What have you got to be bummed out about? You've got a roof over your head. You've got food on your table. You've got water to make your coffee. We live in the United States of America, man. We're the richest country in the world. The person that's on the lowest of poverty level in this world is rich compared to third world countries. We don't want to settle for that. But we can, sir, be thankful for the goodness of God. He said, why are you disquieted within me? Hallelujah. Hope in God. Wait expectantly for him. And here's what you do. For I shall yet praise him. I tell you, he's my help. He's my help. And he's my God. Another translation says, sometimes you just got to say, Mark. Brenda, Raul, Tony, talk to yourself. I tell you what you're going to do today, boy. You're going to hope in God. You're going to wake up with a confident, favorable expectation like Oral Roberts had. And you're going to say, some good's going to happen to me today. I've written in my notes, I'm way too encouraged to be discouraged. That's God's plan for you. Hallelujah. Hope in God, David said, because I will again give him thanks again and again. I will again give him thanks. He's my saving presence and my God. 
You see, David tapped into the presence of God through praise and thanksgiving. Let's all stand to our feet tonight. Did you get anything out of tonight? Let's go ahead and just give him praise. Guys, come on up to the platform, William. We only have a few moments left in this service tonight. Father, thank you for speaking to us this evening. Thank you for the ability to stir ourselves up. Thank you, Lord God, that we can follow the examples of others in the Word of God. And we can stir ourselves up. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord some hallelujahs and amens. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our voice. Hallelujah. And by faith, if we have to, just rejoice. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. You're not going down. You're going over. Underneath you are his everlasting arms. Stop thinking about the things you've been thinking about and start thinking about my plan and my hand and my goodness is upon you. Say regularly, this is an instruction to someone specifically tonight, that surely goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Put a stop on that talk and open your mouth and praise me. Open your mouth. I'll satisfy your mouth with my word. And my word shall come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. I know that's for somebody. Lord, we take it. We take it. We receive it tonight. In the name of Jesus.